0: Everybody welcome to Gilbert Church. Really good to have you with us today whether you're at one of our campuses or watching this message online. We are wrapping up a series we've been in for the last 7 weeks called Raising the Bar, based upon the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we said at the beginning of this series, we hope you like challenges because that's what this series was intended to do. We've challenged ourselves to a higher level of obedience on issues like anger and adultery, revenge and money. Today's message is titled, Narrow and Wide, and I'm just going to warn you, Jesus really raises the bar on this one. So since this is such a hard teaching, let me just kind of ease into it with an observation. Human beings are prone to follow a crowd. Isn't that true? Human beings are prone to follow a crowd. I was with my eight-year-old son, Hudson, recently at the store Lids. Lids sells baseball hats, and... Now, I'm 37 years old, so I believe it's a borderline sin not to curve the bill on your hat. (laughs) Just a little bit past that stage. I hear a few hand claps in the back, but I'm just a little bit older than that. And so my son Hudson, though, he's eight. So of course, he gets a flat-brimmed hat. And then to make matters worse, he asked me to leave the sticker on. (laughs) You know, the sticker that has like the size of the hat and everything? I don't know if you've noticed this trend, but people do this. And here's my theory of how this started. One day, some really cool kid bought a hat, and he forgot to take the sticker off. So he's walking around like a fool with a sticker on his hat. But other people look at him, and they're like, oh, that must be really cool. I think I'm going to try that. That is the only explanation for me for how this whole thing started. To make it even more disturbing, I'm actually starting to think the flat brim looks really cool, and that maybe I should get one myself. But you see this all over. A couple more claps. (laughs) See, you're a divided church now. But you see this all over the place. My wife recently bought tapered sweatpants. I said, I had a pair of those when I was in sixth grade. They weren't intentionally tapered. They were just too small on me. But I was mortified to wear those things. Today, people are buying them that way. My point is, human beings are prone to follow a crowd. We tend to see a trend and we kind of just jump in on that. Now when it comes to fashion, music, pop culture, that's no big deal. But when it comes to spiritually speaking, it can be incredibly dangerous. In fact, look at what Jesus says at the end of Matthew chapter 7 as he kind of wraps up this Sermon on the Mount. He says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Let me just pause here for a moment because I had a conversation recently with a couple high school students who were completely offended by this idea that there would be only one way to heaven. I mean, it just sounded so discriminatory to them, so un American, even, so politically incorrect. I mean, who are we to say that you can only enter in through the narrow gate? When you think about the billions of Hindus and Muslims and atheists and agnostics, that is a downright offensive statement. To some people but I want you to notice who's speaking in this verse it's not Christians it's Christ in other words it's not like Christians sat around one day and said you know let's tell people that they need to believe what we believe or else they don't get to go to heaven that's not how it happened Jesus Christ himself is saying I'm the way I'm the only way to enter the kingdom of God I am the narrow gate Now that is an incredibly arrogant statement except if it's true because if it's true it's an incredibly loving statement. Jesus goes on in the next verse and he says, the highway to hell. Now if you're a child of the 80s (laughs) and maybe you're kind of new to the Bible and you're thinking, did Jesus just quote ACDC in the Bible? (laughs) Pretty sure it's the other way around on that one, okay? I think Jesus was first. (laughs) The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only a few ever find it. Let me try to make sense of this verse for you. Jesus says that there is a narrow gate that leads to a narrow road and then there is a wide gate that leads to a wide road. And notice how he describes this wide road. He says it's easy. He says many people are on it. In other words, spiritually speaking, the wide road is comprised of people who have simply been following the crowd. Again, no big deal when it comes to music or fashion. But if you're here today and spiritually speaking, you have simply been following the crowd, I want to warn you of the consequences. In fact, in this verse, I see three types of people that Jesus speaks about and every person here is represented in one of these three categories. The first one is this: narrow road people. There are some of us here today and I would venture to say many or most of us here today who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. He is our hope of salvation. We're not trusting in our good deeds and our moral behaviors. We won't we don't say we're going to heaven because we're a good person. We don't hope in being a moral, upstanding citizen who pays their taxes. We don't even trust in our church attendance and religious affiliations. We know that we're only saved through faith in Christ. There's nothing special about us, but there is something supremely special about him. And so if you were to ask us, well, how do you know that you're saved? We would say because we've trusted that Christ died for our sins. And we just know. In fact, there's times when I start to kind of doubt my relationship with God. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I'll start to think, well, I sin a lot, and I doubt God sometimes. And then I'll just sense this inner confirmation in my spirit that says, wait a minute, you know Christ. You do. He's changed your life. His spirit lives within you. You have a genuine relationship with him, and I just know, and many of you just know as well, which is why we can resonate with Paul's words in Romans 1.14. Paul uses an interesting word to kind of describe how he feels about his life. He says this, I have a great sense of obligation to people in our culture. And not just people in our culture, he's talking about people who don't have a relationship with Christ. He says, I have this great sense of obligation to people in our culture and to people in other cultures. Why would Paul feel a sense of obligation towards those that didn't have a relationship with God? Here's why. And you got to get this. Because Paul knew that he was no more deserving of eternal life than they were. It's not like God saw more potential in Paul. It's not like Paul was more righteous than everyone else. That's not why he was on the narrow road. In fact, Paul was very literally walking along a road one day, When he had a vision of Jesus Christ, God spoke to him and God saved him by his grace. Grace is getting something that you do not deserve. And so since Paul knew that he didn't deserve this, he felt a sense of obligation to help other people experience God's grace in their own life. Author David Platt puts it this way. He says, every saved person this side of heaven... Is obligated to share the good news of Jesus with every unsaved person this side of hell. Can I just admit to you how ashamed I am of how little I do that in personal one on one settings? It's hard. It's hard to know when to bring the topic up. It's hard to know what the right timing is or how to bring it up. And then sometimes I just chicken out and get cold feet. But God's purpose for my life, God's purpose for your life, is not just to sit around and enjoy the fact that we get to be on the narrow road. Kind of reminds me of a story that I heard a few years ago about a California man named Larry Walters. And this is going to be hard to believe, but this is actually a true story. One day, Larry went to the Army-Navy surplus store, and he purchased 75 used weather balloons. He inflated them and then attached them to his lawn chair which he had tied down to the back of his pickup truck. Larry sat in the chair, situated himself, and told his friends to untie the rope so that his lawn chair would go up into the air. He was hoping, one of his friends would later say, to see the neighborhood from a different angle and gain a new perspective on his life. Larry took with him a peanut butter sandwich, a six-pack of beer, and a BB gun. Apparently, he thought those were the essentials that he needed to survive in his life. His thought was that he would get up to a certain altitude and then he would use the BB gun to shoot out the other weather balloons so that he could remain at that altitude. But when his friends untied the lawn chair from the pickup truck, his chair shot up in the air like a rocket. Two hours later, LAX Airport reported an unidentified flying object. (laughs) Lawn chair Larry was now 16,000 feet in the sky which is three miles up in the air when when the pilot who first saw him was asked to describe what he was seeing he said I think I see a guy sitting wait is that a lawn chair he said I think he's holding a rifle When they finally got Larry down to the ground and a rescue team was able to rescue him, a local reporter asked them, they said, were you scared? He said, yes. They said, would you do it again? He said, no. They said, Larry, why did you do that in the first place? He said, I don't know. I I just got tired of sitting around, I guess. I find that some Christians feel the exact same way. They are tired of just sitting around. In fact, a recent study found that only 20% of churches in America today are growing. And of that 20%, only 1% are reaching lost people. In other words, people who previously didn't have a relationship with God or were not attending a church. By the way, our church is in that 1%. Last year, we had over 2,500 people put their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. We are a church that's reaching people who previously didn't go to church, who previously didn't have a relationship with God. And if you were to ask me, well, why is that? I would say this, because we have a lot of narrow road people who are tired of just sitting around on the lawn chair of life and floating through, but they want the thrill of being used by God to see another person step off the wide road and get onto the narrow It's why we have people who volunteer out in the parking lot and they freeze in the winter directing cars so that you can have a great parking lot experience. It's why we have people who rock babies and jump around like a fool in our kids' ministry. It's why we have people who invite their friends and neighbors to come to church with them because they feel a sense of obligation for all that God has done in their life. The great theologian Martin Luther He once said this, he says, It wouldn't matter if Christ died a thousand times if no one heard about it. And how will people hear about it unless you tell them? And how will people hear about it unless you invite them? If you're a narrow road person here today, I want to speak directly to you for just a moment. Who is one person that you could invite to Easter services next week? Who is one person in your life who maybe needs to get on a new road, who needs to get on a new path with their life and needs to hear that God loved them so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for them. That is what narrow road people do. Second category of people that Jesus speaks about is this. Wide road people who think they're on the narrow road. See, sometimes you're not on the road that you thought you were on in life. For example, when I graduated from college, my mom and I decided we were going to take a trip to Ireland. My mom had grown up in an Irish family, and so it kind of seemed like a cool graduation gift. It was me, my mom, my dad, and my wife, Sarah, who went. And when we got there, we rented a rather large SUV. In fact, I can remember my dad kind of joking that these Europeans are going to be jealous of us rich Americans driving our big SUV. But it didn't really turn out that way. You see, in Ireland, many of the streets are lined with cobblestone fences. It's just like the pictures. But what you don't realize is that those cobblestone fences take the place of what would be our shoulder. Then their roads are what we would consider about one and a half lanes. And so every time a car was coming in the opposite direction, we would have to kind of pull over and wiggle around them. Sort of like Shaquille O'Neal trying to get into an elevator. You know, I was like, I'm not sure we're going to make this or not. And sometimes it didn't work out. Dad clipped another car as we were driving through a town, took off our side mirror. Then at a bed and breakfast, he backed into a Peugeot. Didn't even see the thing. Everybody over there drives these little matchbox cars. And so my dad would lie awake in these bed and breakfasts at night, and he would think, tomorrow we die. I mean, there's, just, there's no way it's going to be a miracle if we're able to get through another day. In fact, when we dropped the cars off, they had two lines. One line was the regular drop-off line. The other line was if you had had an accident. No cars in the regular line, 12 cars deep in the accident line. But here's my point. We thought we were going to be on a wide road, but we were really on a narrow road. And that costs us our side mirror and an insurance deposit. In life, there are some people who think they're on the narrow road, but they're really on the wide road. And that costs them an eternity with God and loved ones. I want to ask a hard question. Are you on the narrow road? And I don't ask you that question to judge or to condemn or even to scare you, but I ask it out of genuine love and concern for your soul. Because I don't want any of us to stand before God one day and be surprised. Because look at what Jesus says right after he gets on talking about narrow and wide roads. He says this, he says, On Judgment Day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. In other words, we did a whole bunch of religious stuff. We called ourselves Christians. We tried to avoid the big sins. We were nice to other people. And then look at what Jesus says next. He says, but then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. Can you imagine that moment? I mean, I've always said that's one of the most sobering verses in the Bible. Because I can picture these people. And they're lining up their good deeds and they're setting out their spiritual trophies. And in their mind, judgment day is a mere formality. Of course I'm going to heaven. Of course I'm good to go with God. And then the shoe drops. I never knew you. I talked a little bit earlier about having a sense of obligation. That's how I feel about this verse. I feel it's my sense of obligation to plead with you today. Do you know Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about, do you know facts about him? I'm not talking about, did you grow up in a Christian home? I'm asking, do you know Jesus Christ? Some of you might say, well, I'm not really sure. I haven't decided which road I'm going to choose in life. But not deciding is a decision for the wide road because there is no middle road. Jesus doesn't say, you know, there's a wide road that leads to destruction, there's a narrow road that leads to life, and then there's like this new middle road, kind of like a carpool lane, can kind of have a relationship with God, but not really. There is no middle road. But the good news is you can have the assurance that you are on the narrow road through faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you never sin, doesn't mean you don't have doubts, but it means that you have had a moment in your life when you turn towards Christ and you put your faith in him. If you're on the, you know, I don't really know, I'm not really sure, kind of, sort of road, you got to get off that road. That could be the wide road disguised as the narrow, which leads to the third category that Jesus speaks about, and that's this, wide road people. Let's be honest, most wide road people probably aren't in church today, probably not listening to this message. That's why the narrow road can feel so lonely at times. But if you're here today and you're a person who doesn't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then I just want to say to you, I commend you for being here. I love people who are willing to listen to other perspectives other than their own. It's such an admirable characteristic. But I also want to be honest with you. About where Jesus says the wide road leads to. And then you can make up your your own mind on what you want to do with this. But listen to what Jesus says again. He says, The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. You want to know what's easy? Following the crowd is easy. If you're here today and you're in middle school, high school, college, let me tell you, it's going to be easy for you to follow the crowd. It's going to take strength, courage, and conviction to follow Jesus Christ, but that's the best road to be on. You want to know what else is easy? Doing whatever you want whenever you want it. I mean, if it feels good to you, do it, drink it, take it, believe it, follow your heart, do what seems right to you. That's all easy, but that is the wide road. The wide road is comprised of people who are following the crowd that isn't following Jesus Christ, and Jesus himself says that road leads to destruction. But I want you to notice something. God doesn't force anyone onto the wide road. People choose to be on the wide road. They believe that a life lived apart from God is the best way to live, and God honors that request for all of eternity. This is a different aspect of God's character. I mean, yes, God is love. Yes, God is full of mercy. But God is also a righteous judge. He punishes sin and indifference. Not because he's mean, but because he's good. No good God would leave sin unpunished any more than a good parent would allow their kids to consistently disobey and never give a consequence. And yet, here's what I believe. The narrow road is the best road. Friends, it's the road filled with joy. It's the road filled with peace and assurance. It's the road filled with meaning and purpose for your life. I have met so many people who used to be on the wide road. And they're good people, honest people, nice people. But one day they woke up and realized, this is not the road I want to be on in my life. This road is aimless and it's empty and I need to get on a different road. I was one of those people when I was a freshman in college. In fact, I was speaking at a Christian high school recently and one of the students asked me, they said, were were you always a leader or did that develop later in life? I said, oh, when I was in high school, I was the biggest follower you've ever met. I mean, I was on the wide road and I was on it because that's where the crowd was. So if you're here today and you're on the wide road, I want you to know I've been there, but you can get off that road and get onto a different road. But here's what you need to know. Your life, my life, has a deadline. Your life has a deadline. This last winter, I taught an online preaching class over at Northwestern University in St. Paul. And it's a graduate-level course for adults, and so many of them are working while simultaneously pursuing their degree. And so I try to be lenient with them. I'll say, you know, if you're having a really busy week and you need an extension, just email me beforehand and we can work it out. But it has to be beforehand, I don't think it's fair if you email me three days after the paper was due and said, oh, hey, sorry about that. I'll get it to you when I can. And this happens every time I teach. I mean, sure enough, two days after the first paper is due, I get an email from a student who says, you know, my blood pressure's been up. I'll get you the paper when I can. I'm like, well, now my blood pressure's up. (laughs) And then I get a Facebook message from another student, and I'll I'll just read part of his message to you. He says, prof... I need more time to turn in my assignment. I'm moving, trying to figure out how to be married. Aren't we all? (laughs) And trying to find a ministry position, all bearing much weight on me right now. I hope it's not too late to jump back in, but I find myself three weeks behind. I need to make at least a B. And I'm like, no one's just going to hand you a B while you figure out how to be married. Welcome to the real world, Mr. Millennial. That was a lot funnier in the other services when it wasn't full of millennials, right? <laughs> 11 o'clock service, like, what? What? But what I, what I tried to explain to him, I didn't say all that stuff about millennials, but what I did try to explain to him was this. I said, at some point, you have to learn to hit a deadline in your life. If you want to go into ministry, you can't just show up at church on Sunday and tell your congregation, you know, it's been a busy week, trying to figure out how to be married. You know, come back Tuesday. I'll bet you will have a great sermon by then. At some point, you got to learn how to hit a deadline. That is true in life, and that is also true in death. Here is the reality. Your life, my life, it has a deadline. But some people bargain with God. And they're like, oh, you know, God, I'll get serious about you when I graduate from college. I'll get serious about you after I get married, have kids, you know, settle down a little bit. One day, God... And one of these days I'm going to put you first in my life and I'll but not today. It'll be one day I'll do that, God. But you don't know when your deadline is. And you don't want to stand before God one day and go, "Oh, you know, I was meaning to get around to that. Can I have an extension? Can I have a little bit more time?" Cuz what if God says to you, "I gave you time." 2 Peter chapter 3 says that the reason that Jesus Christ hasn't returned yet is because he's waiting for more people to repent. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And so he's giving you an extension. He's giving you breath after breath, day after day. But one day the deadline will come. And you don't know when that day is. Last year, my daughter Isabel was in preschool with the daughter of a pastor from Substance Church. His name is Rick. Here's a picture on the side screens of Rick. And then that's his wife, Crystal, there on his left. And his wife, Crystal, has this godly, gentle spirit about her. It's just apparent when you meet her for even a short period of time. In fact, when Sarah had Crystal and their daughter over to our house for a play date, Sarah went upstairs to kind of check on the kids and see how they were doing. And when she came back downstairs, Crystal was standing in our living room, rocking her baby to sleep. Her eyes were closed. And she was singing along with a worship song that was on the radio. Two months ago, Crystal took her oldest daughter on a mother-daughter getaway to Jamaica. They spent the day swimming with dolphins. And then on the car ride back to their cruise ship, they were hit head-on by a large truck. And Crystal died. Her daughter suffered a broken clavicle but lived. Now, I wouldn't say that Sarah and I knew Rick and Crystal really, really well, but we knew them well enough to be heartbroken by this. I kept thinking about Rick raising four kids. And one night, Sarah woke up in the middle of the night and she couldn't sleep and she began to pray for Rick and pray for those kids that God would protect them. And then she pictured Crystal standing in our living room, eyes closed, singing this worship song to God. And she remembered what the worship song was. It was a song called Even So by Christian Stanfill. And I just want to read a couple of the lyrics to you from this song. It says this, Call back the sinner, wake up the saint. Let every nation shout of your fame, Jesus is coming soon. All will be made new, like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be a church ready for you, every heart longing for our king. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. And as Sarah thought about the lyrics of that song, that all things will be made new. Like a bride waiting for her groom. She thought, you know, Crystal got her reward early. It's painful for all of us who are left here on earth. But right now, Crystal is standing in the presence of her king. And we know that because one day at a young age, Crystal got on a narrow road. It wasn't the easy road. It wasn't the road that had the most people on it. But she traveled on that narrow road, and it took her to a narrow gate. And she entered into the kingdom of her God in the presence of her groom, Where all things are being made new. Friends, you don't know when your deadline is. One day you could be swimming with dolphins, and the next minute you could be standing before Almighty God. That's how it'll be for all of us. And so if you're here today and you're not sure which road you're on, don't wait another second. Yes, the wide road might be comfortable for you, it might be fun at times, it might be easier. But it leads to destruction, and it leads to destruction, the Bible says, because all of us have sinned, and the penalty of sin is death. But God loved you so much. He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place, to pay your penalty. So when you put your faith in Him, you will be saved. That is how you step off the wide road and get onto the narrow. It's through faith in Christ. And it's only through faith in Christ because only Jesus Christ lived the sinless life that none of us could live for ourselves. So if you're here today and you're unsure of which road you're on, or if you're just thinking, you know what, I need to get on a different road. I mean, God brought me here today just to hear that, you know what, the road that you're on, it's not leading in the direction you want to go. You need to get on a different road in your life. I want to lead all of us in a prayer at all of our campuses. And we're going to pray a prayer just quietly in our own heads of putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And you can remain seated during this prayer because we're going to move into a time of communion after this. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray for that person here who needs to get on a different road in their life. God, they can just tell that this road is not leading them where they want to go and where you want them to go. And so, God, today I want them to hear that they can get on a different road. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be better. It's the narrow road. And it's available to every single one of us today. And so, God, quietly in their own mind, they're just going to pray along with me. Lord Jesus, I need to get on a new road. I need to get on a road with you and a relationship with you. And so, God, right now in this moment, I recognize that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross and paid the penalty for my sins. And so right now, God, I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him. I believe in him. And God, I pray that you would save me. I pray that you'd put me on a whole new road in life. A road that is... Marked by following Jesus Christ and obeying him and trusting him. God, a road that's filled with joy and peace and meaning and purpose for my life. God, today I'm asking you save me and put me on the narrow road. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer at any of our campuses, out in the lobby of your campus, you're just going to see a sign that says, Next Steps as you leave today. And I know that usually when we're leaving church, we're just anxious to kind of get out of here. But please, would you take a moment, just stop by there. We want to know who put their faith in Christ. And we want to give you some free resources. So this is not just you prayed a prayer, but this is you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ where you can follow him. So stop off there. We've got some free things that we want to give to you. All right, this time I'm going to invite the communion servers down front. You can begin passing out the elements and if you're at a campus where it's on underneath the seat on the end of your aisle go ahead and start passing those down your row. On the night before Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, "This is my body, which will be broken for you." He then took a cup, and he raised it up and he said, "This cup is my blood, It was about to be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Eat this and drink this in remembrance of me. You don't have to be a member of our church to participate in communion, but you do have to be a follower of Christ, the Bible says. So if you're not there yet in your life, then that's okay. You can just go ahead and let it pass. But many of you just prayed for the first time to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Go ahead and take communion today as a a step of, God, I'm with you. I'm on the narrow road. I'm trusting you with my life. And for those of you who have been on that narrow road, take a moment before you take communion. You don't have to wait for everyone else, but as before you take communion, spend a moment in prayer and just thank God for his grace and thank God for the narrow road and then begin to pray for a person that you could invite to Easter next weekend and help them get on a whole new road in their life. It's a little tricky. You have to peel it back once to get to the bread. You have to peel it, the breads underneath, rather the juice is on the top. And as all this is going on, the band's going to kind of quietly be playing behind us. And then at all of our campuses, we are going to stand and we're going to sing a closing song together. It's going to be the closing song that Crystal was singing in my living room. And there was just a part of me today that thought, you know, I wonder if Crystal is singing this song right now in the presence of her King. So we're going to join in on that chorus that sings to God. It's going to be a great moment for our church.